0: Hello, coolies. Welcome to Barset Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. And in today's episode, we're going to talk pep winning the treble, our thoughts on Messi, booming to MLS, and transfer rumors. We get into these topics after our message from NordVPN. Are you tired of hackers and cyber criminals snooping around your online activities? Do you want to safely access your favorite shows and content from anywhere in the world? Then you need NordVPN, the best VPN on the market. And the good news is that there's an exclusive birthday deal just for you. Buy NordVPN now and win extra subscription time. With NordVPN, you can protect your online activity and keep your private information away from prying eyes. And if you're traveling abroad, don't worry. Connect to a NordVPN server in your home country and safely enjoy content as if you'd never left. So what are you waiting for? Visit nordvpn.com barsa now to get this special birthday deal. Shield your data from snoops and criminals with NordVPN's state-of-the-art encryption. Safely listen to podcasts, stream shows, or simply browse in complete privacy. Again, visit nordvpn.com slash barsa. The link is in the show notes. Get NordVPN now and enjoy a safe and private online experience. Learn more at marines.com. All right, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to talk pep Treble, messy, and some rumors. I bring in my co-host here, Craig McGough. Craig, how's it going?
1: Mate, it is warm here in the UK. (laughs) It is warm. We we get nine months of the year where I complain I'm cold, and then we get eight weeks where I complain I'm too hot, and then four weeks it's great, and we're in that, that hot period. But apart from that, I'm really good. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good. I uh, I I echo your sentiments because I was just in Paris and it was hotter in Paris than it was in Madrid. I was there for the French Open, which was amazing. Uh, I can't believe I've been able to go to that event. So I'm running a high on sports, Craig. I've been a very lucky sports nice. person in my life to attend many events. But the main topic I want to talk about is Pep winning the Champions League over the weekend and just kind of our lasting impressions and just some of the kind of headlines that are coming out of your country about pep winning this Mm. treble what are kind of your first thoughts about you know obviously pep winning the treble and you know another triple for pep
1: yeah it's it's a really mixed bag for me in the sense of i've retained a very strong connection with pep i think pep will always encapsulate we've had this chat many times about camp new pep will always encapsulate a time in my life that was maybe the best ever so i've always had a real affinity with how he tries to play his football i think he's very eloquent the fact he's a polyglot so i really like him but it's really 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 hard for me to look past the fact that they've got what 115 outstanding charges like i'm comfortable i'm upset at the fact i'm comfortable i'm comfortable with the fact that i've spent a fortune those charges are going to make it a really weird one and i seen a meme just before we started recording actually which said this trebles right up there with Lance Armstrong seven-two at the France, and I'm thinking, mm, is it going to be one of them? So a mixed, a mixed bag for me. How about you?
0: I mean, yes, there's always, you know, that, especially with the ownership of Man City that comes with this kind of baggage. But you know, from a football standpoint, I mean, I was cheering for Pep on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I was fully invested in a Man City victory because I wanted Pep to get this treble. You know, I think along with Messi getting the World Cup in December and seeing Pep see this through. I think as a Kool-Aid, you couldn't have asked for anything more, you know, from ex-manager, ex-player, this type of situation. And so, you know, football-wise, I'm very happy because it just cements to me how great Pep is as a manager. He's definitely in the Mount Rushmore of top managers of all time, you know, especially Mm -hmm. since 2000, if we were going to do 2001. And the other thing, you know, I you know I've been watching a lot of these headlines and articles that are coming out about the spending of Man City, and yeah, they do spend, but it's not to say they don't spend more than other clubs in the Premier League, you know. And I think there's something too. I was listening to uh, a famous Manchester United TikToker, Mark, I think is Goldbridge or something like this, and he was talking about how why is Man City celebrating this because they bought it, right? And I think, you know, if that's true, if you just you just had line superstars and the galactico project would have worked better you know and when madrid did it it would have worked better if chelsea did it right because chelsea had the highest pay wage and transfer for this year but pep does something you know he is yeah. a master class manager
1: of course he isn't i think the money thing it's why i'm saying there's two different things to me the, the money thing is is multifaceted. You know, if, if money was the key to success, then PSG would have won every Champions exactly. League for the last five years. You know, if you look at clubs in England who have quote unquote bought it, Blackburn did it and no one puts their 94, 95 Premier League down. If anything, it's still up there with Leicester as one of the big achievements. So I think the buy-in argument is, especially when it's from people like Man United, us, for example, like you can't throw that around. Everton, Shambles, spent so much. eighth highest, seventh highest money across Europe in the last however long. So I think the money argument in that sense is a complete fallacy because everyone is buying it right now. They're just buying it to varying degrees of success. They're all trying to do the same thing with vaguely the same figures. But I think the the ways and means of spending is what's is what's getting me. Um, but I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I'm delighted that Pep personally has it. I think the fact that they've basically lifted and shifted that kind of Ferran Soriano, Chiqui Bagheeristan management team made it a really easy club to pick up. For anyone in the UK that's older than what probably... 25 now maybe 30 man city were a club that were, were easy to like because a lot of it was down to the fact they had players like franny lee mike uh, mike summerby back in the day back in the 60s and 70s they, they were they were a good club to follow then obviously you had the fact that they, they were kind of that gritty underdog to man united and then you had obviously the gallagher brothers and oasis that followed them the manchester music scene was quite um was quite rich with man city fans so they're a club that's been very easy to follow they've now got pep coming in and doing this this ridiculous journey that yes they've been funded by an oil state with questionable morals but you know they're they're on a journey from a pure footballing perspective that I think is really easy to get behind if you can ignore the other stuff so yeah it's a really it's a really complex one to unpick for a lot of different reasons it's but at the start of the season if you said to me Barca can't win it who do you want to win it I probably would have gone City to be fair.
0: Yeah, I just think that the run that they've had uh, this season to, you know, especially in the Champions League to have it all line up, I think, you know, is a testament to the team, the depth. And like you said, the, the way that Manchester City is lined up with their, you know, with their general manager, essentially, that's been there for so long, you know, they have this working mm-hmm. relationship with Pep. There isn't this volatility like we see at our club at Barca, you know, and there's something to that where you have a, you know, stable leadership, you know, and seeing the project through, you know. And I. another thing I saw on online was just the the players that Pep signed in his first year at Man City, and, and half of them are still at Man City. So, you know, that's the other thing that Pep does really well for the most part is he picks really high-quality transfers, and they stay for a while. Now, obviously, he's not hitting 100%, obviously, but for the most part, he knows what he wants, he goes after it, and he finds it, Right. And so there's a, you know, to me, that's the other aspect of the management, especially in in modern football. Now, I'm looking at his trophy resume, and I'm just going to ask you true or false. And you just go through. I'm sure you're going to know the most recent ones. Like, for example, uh, five EPLs, true or false for Pep? I'm going to say true, but it might be higher. It's true. It's true. So five. Bundesliga's two, true or false? True. Three. Ah. Obviously you know La Liga titles, right? Three. Um mm-hmm. German cup winner. Three.
1: Oh, well, someone say two.
0: Very good. Two, two, two. FA Cup, one. No, it's more than once, surely. Three? Two. Two. Oh, okay. What about uh the Copa del Rey? Right, well, definitely one.
1: Because you've got the triplet. Uh
0: Uh, I want to say say two. Yep, two. I mean, you just look at this resume, and it is freaking insane, right? Uh, Three-time Champions League winner, three-time FIFA Club World Cup winner, five-time EPL, three-time Bundesliga, three-time La Liga, three-time UEFA Super Cup, two-time German Cup, two-time English FA Cup, Two-time Copa del Rey, four time English League Cup winner, three time Spanish Super Cup, and two-time English Super Cup winner. I mean, what the hell, Craig? I mean, that is just crazy. And when I when I think you had a really great word, polyglot, right? Like to mm-hmm. me, the aspiration at, at Bayern should have been a little bit higher. I think they should have definitely won a Champions League there. But I just love that he has been able to do this at the three different leagues at such a high level for the consistency and more importantly, just changing the game with the style and also what the players need. You know, I was I was watching a John Stones interview and he was was saying he thought he knew football before he came to Man City. And when he came with Pep, he's like, I do not know football. And those are the kind of words you hear from players and former players about Pep is that mind the way he makes them look at the match and so again you know when i was watching the match and you know as we talked about this many many times he had to win it ugly (laughs) Mm -hmm. to get that victory Mm -hmm. but he was able to do it and again i just this resume is is i mean i mean
1: it's It's incomparable isn't it like he's he's putting himself on in a very i think if you look at football management across the years you've got got his name which is atrocious but the the fellow who managed Hungary in the 50s you've got him yes. you've got uh, you could maybe argue Matt Busby to an extent if that had gone longer you've got certainly Jock Stein Bill shankley Alex Ferguson Arrigo Sacchi Carlo Ancelotti Pep and I think right now you're looking at Pep saying you could be alone you could be there's a, could be a few people fighting for second spot and your number one have you read slight change attack but have you read Pep confidential mm Incredible! I would urge everyone to read it. It might be the greatest sports book ever written. It's it's about Pep's first year buying, and okay. if if you're a bit of a football geek, I mean it's it's not really a chronicle per se. So you're not gonna it's not gonna be you know, April seventeenth buying beat Hoffenheim four 0. Like it's it's more about how he in, in in um introduces methods and stuff. And there's a section on Philip Lahm. And I'm going to probably get this the wrong way around. Philip Lahm was either a left-back that he turned into a centre center midfielder or the other way around, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but it's on about the the evolution of how he changed Philip Lahm's game. Then you look at it now with John Stones, and again, it's another player, just one player, for example, where he's gone, you now play a different way. Raheem Sterling, I'm not a massive fan, but Pep Guardiola got an incredible player out of him, completely changed the way he was playing football. Bernardo Silva, he's got Bernardo Silva dropping in at fullback. Correct, like, correct. He's it's it's the way that you know he's he's winning with vaguely the same style, vaguely in the sense of it's teams that play football on the front foot. But my god, he's able to reinvent his teams season by season. Never mind club by club in terms of how yeah. he does it, and to take those individual players to your point about John Stones and and teach them a whole new way of playing football in a in a position that they didn't think themselves they could do. The evolution of John Stones is nothing remarkable
0: yeah yeah i was i was gonna say the same thing because you know i was talking with my buddy over the weekend when we were talking about stones i said you know he was supposed to be a center back you know and Mm -hmm. he was kind of lumpy you know he he was okay he had moments but did i think he was fleet of foot and fantastic at passing and finding those lanes and now look at him like you're just (laughs) you see him go through the middle and doing the 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 metronome of what you expect of almost a Busquets type of player. You're just like, what is going on here? And Pep was able to take that out. I mean, obviously the other player that I am completely in love with when I watch and I still can't believe he didn't get the proper playing time in the last World Cup is Rodri. Rodri, to me, is Busquets 3.0 right now. And watching him play, and especially that goal, I mean, that to me, the way he just curled around those players – that's the difference between world class and professional mm-hmm. to amateur, right? Like an amateur is going to sky that to the right and high, right? And so, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it's getting shanked out the ground, isn't it?
0: I, I think the last the last moment or thing I want to talk about is: Do you think Jack Grealish will stop partying all summer?
1: <laughs> Jack, do you know? Do you know what's been really nice to see on that? Just like just to be semi serious for a second, Jack Grealish has completely revolutionized his perception in this country over this season bt sport here in the uk have done a lot more pitch side interviews and stuff and i think what's been really good about jim going to city and working with pep is that i think pep's totally leveled him he was obviously the big yeah. the big fish at, at villa and i Correct. think he's walked in that dressing room and he, he said on an interview the day for, for a year i thought i was playing well and pep would shout with me and i just didn't re- I, I just i realized what he wants now and just because i do something good if it's not right it doesn't fit in you see this trend a lot with players. Henri still talks about it when he's on yeah. Sky Sports again here in the UK, saying, "You know, I set up two goals and got t- and got took off because I was in the wrong positions." And I think that's what's remarkable is that players like Jack Grealish, big personalities, players like Thierry Henry, p- players like Leo Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, they just fall in line behind this genius, uh, and it's amazing. And on the Jack Grealish, what a guy living his dream, <laughs> living, ev- living everyone's dream, doing and. I, he's done some stupid stuff over the years, Jack Green. He's sure. done some very, very silly things. But in terms of this, I hope, I hope he carries on until halfway through August. <laughs> I
0: don't know if you saw the pictures of him leaving visa today. So, <laughs> he's <not laughs> Hey anything, man. He? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Hey man, I mean, he worked his whole life to get to that point to when, you know, he's a troublemaker, you know, and not many players in football history can say that. And, just to piggyback on what you were talking about with these players talking about Pep and putting them in the right position, I think you know, one of the most understated things now in modern football is to keep these big personalities in check and what he's been able to do out through his career. Now, that also comes with some of the caveats of what he did with lotton kind of froze him out without mm. letting him know. But at the same time, for the majority, Pep is able to you know, have these players follow him and get the best out of them. And that, to me, his man management as well, along with all the tactical and the style and stuff, that's just as important. Uh, especially in modern day football. Yeah,
1: 100% because it, it's no longer like if you look at football in the 60s and 70s maybe through to the mid 90s the manager was the manager and the players were pawns to be used really with a few exceptions George Best and Pelé and stuff like that. But pr- by and large your average run-in-the-mill footballer was a footballer that was earning slightly more than a tradesman certainly in the UK. Now you've got reserve team players that have never kicked the first team football driving around in cars that are worth more than most people's houses. Like so the, the, the game has just shifted. And that's why I think that those managers that can bring people with them will be the ones that are more successful. And I think people are nervous about letting Pep down. So when we talk about him taking him off at halftime, I think a lot of that's about because they want to do well for him. I don't think he's a fear monger. He's not an Alex Ferguson in that sense. And that's why I look, at, I look around world football at the minute. And I think those that are on Pep's coaching tree, if you like, to borrow an Americanism, will do well. I think Arteta will do very well because if you watch the All or Nothing documentaries, which obviously are reasonably framed and stuff like that, players follow him and I think you've got to follow managers nowadays. And if if you don't have a clear message, I think you're in trouble and Pep can portray that clear message. And I think to bring it back to a, a pure Barcelona perspective, I think what Xavi needs to do, we've talked a lot about we won ugly this year and Xavi sacrificed principles and we applauded him at times for it. I don't think that's sustainable. What I'd like to see Chavi do now that we've had a little bit of success in the next year years, I'd, belt, I'd like to see him take a bit of a, a bit of inspiration from the way Pep works and say, "Right, I've won you a trophy. I've kept the wolves from the door financially for at least another little bit. My style of football is this. These are the players that I need. This is how I'm going to do it because it's won Pep trophies, and I think it will win it will win Chavi trophies if he does it. The worst thing he could try and do is try and be all things to all people. It doesn't work."
0: Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, In the last episode, last Thursday, uh, Remy touched on the news while he was recording actually of Messi moving to to the MLS. Obviously Mm -hmm. he had offers from Saudi Arabia and I just kind of want to put a bow on this. You know, what are your kind of initial thoughts of Messi going to the MLS?
1: I love it to be fair. Um, I think Messi coming back, I, I was always really clear we needed a 10 Messi's a 10 Messi's still arguably top top one, top two, top three, argue amongst yourselves. In the world, certainly, you know, he's one of the top tens in the world, we needed a 10, he was a 10. But I think when you break down just the the reality of bringing, of bringing Messi back, would have cost a hell of a lot of money, would have needed a lot of people to either take pay cuts or leave, a lot of work to be done. Um, and so I think there's an element, there's an element of it being too good to be true. And obviously it's turned out that way. The biggest thing that I take from it, two things actually, one is he turned down a lot of money. And I was listening to a podcast that said, when Leo Messi tells you that it seems like a lot of money, then it's a hell of a lot of money because he's probably lost the, the concept of what a lot of money is. So I think it's the first big example that I can really recall, except a few when China was going a bit loopy. Um, but it's the first time I think we can recall someone turning down obscene amounts of money so publicly in football, and long may that continue. There are things that we all hit a point where money surely doesn't mean as much. So I love the fact that he's, he's chose in my second point. I love the fact that he's chose a life for his family uh, as opposed to just taking cold, hard cash. And I think, you know, we, we forget the strain that being a footballer, particularly at that level puts on families and stuff. And it must be really, really hard. So I just hope genuinely, if anyone in world football over the last few years has deserved the ability to go and enjoy himself again, I think it's messy. I think we all know the way we treated him. Wasn't amazing. You know, Yes, the club gave him a lot and a life, but he gave the club back infinitely more in return. Uh, and it could be great for a, It could be great for for US football as well. I think people going to live golf and saints because they want to change the face of golf are just objectively lying. I think Messi here could genuinely be going to America to try and kickstart something and take it into its next phase from from what Beckham. do we say Beckham started it? Or are we going to go back to the seventies? Either way. You know, I think it could be good on all fronts. And it's not very often you say that about a big transfer. So I'm, that's a very long answer for me saying I'm all in on it. But what about yourself?
0: <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I have a very complicated relationship with MLS. So I, and also just football in the, in the States. I just think it's still such a long ways away for competing worldwide. I think the first thing is the schedule uh, that needs to always change. To me, if you're going to be a world league, you need to follow the schedule of the rest of the world you know with the transfer windows and so forth i think it just complicates it now uh i don't know if i told you this i went to the first mls game ever 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 Who was it san jose clash dc united eric rinaldo scoring i was there i got nuts uh Incredible. it was <laughs> it, wrote, it basically rode the piggyback of the world cup in 94 so i was able to go that was uh, quite an experience but that's the thing is You know, we've been talking about this idea of football growing in the States. And, you know, one of the main issues that I have, especially being of Latin descent, is I just don't see enough Latin players getting represented in U.S. soccer federation, essentially through Mm -hmm. the pipelines. And again, as as, as it's been well documented, it's a pay-to-play type of sport. It's almost like tennis and golf in this idea where you have to pay, which is ridiculous, right? Because the rest of the world, it's the working man's sport, right? Just like basketball Mm -hmm. is in the States. You know, seeing Messi going to the MLS, I think, is great for the MLS because obviously that's going to push it to another level. Like what Beckham did when he came, he pushed it to another level. But I still have an issue watching the football. I I still can't get into it. I've tried Uh, this past uh, summer in September when I was back home. My dad's like, let's watch this MLS game. I was like, all right, but we need to have some beers, right? Because it's it's really difficult for me to watch. When you're watching La Liga all the time, watching MLS, they still lack some of the – technical ability, the skills, and also just the IQ of what's happening. It's getting better. It's definitely a better product than it was 10 years ago. Now, with Messi coming, it's obviously, like I said, the Messi effect is in full effect, right? Like, just for example, the Instagram following of Inter Miami, right, was mm. at barely a million. I just checked right now. It's at eight, right? More than any sports team in the U.S. So that just tells you Crazy. the hype that's coming. And obviously, you've seen in our WhatsApp group that most of those tickets now have skyrocketed in value. Everyone's going to try to see Messi at least one more time, which is great for our our American friends. I just don't know, or maybe not if, but how fast it's going to develop and also consume the U.S. sports landscape. You know, Uh, the U.S. sports landscape is a very overcrowded one. Obviously, American football dominates that. And the other thing, too, is unfortunately, I don't think Messi knows how long those flights are going to be in July and August to Dallas, you know, from Miami and playing on that terrible turf and those type of nights where he's like, I don't know if about this decision, you know, and I, I know Messi's <laughs> going to try, you know, I know Messi's going to, he's going to, you know, he's almost at that point where now in his career, you know, he wants to put on a show more for the people who are coming to see him. And so I don't think he's not, he's not going to lack, uh, you know, motivation in that style, but it's just crazy to see the messy effect and also just the creative sports revenue that he's going to get from the Apple streaming, the revenue of to, you know, from the ticket sales and all that type of thing. And also he's going to have the ability to buy a team. I mean, I don't know why you want to buy a team. You know, he doesn't, that's like the last thing. And by the way, last thing before I close on this, did you see, I think Troy sent a, a video today of his wife at speaking English. I haven't seen it, but I've, have you
1: seen, I did see the video of Messi speaking English with Gian Balaguer when he was announced at PSG. And I thought it was interesting at the time that they were, they were talking and interestingly, me and you were speaking before we, before you press record, I'm obviously about to start my journey working in, in Spanish. Um, and I was basically saying exactly what Messi was saying. And it's probably where our similarities start and stop to be fair. Um, <laughs> but I was saying, you know, I, I'm still a little bit nervous in terms of speaking it in that formal, in that formal setting. I speak it on holiday. I'll speak it with friends. Um, and he was saying the same thing, but that's at least, is what, what was PSG two years ago now? So that's mm-hmm. at least two years worth of learning. So I think he's been gearing himself up for a move somewhere like that for a while. I think Miami was on the radar for a while, right? I'm sure yeah. when we were initially trying to keep him, that was there. So I think it's a lifestyle move when you're saying those flights to Dallas and stuff, I think he's probably weighed it up and said, you know, realistically, I've, I've had this for however long. It's now time to kind of take a, a little step back. So I can see yeah. why it's done. Very quick on the MLS thing, if I'm going to share, because we never get a chance to talk about this. I'm interested from your perspective, because the thing that stops me truly getting into the MLS isn't, I think the football's okay. I think the schedule's a novelty for me. I don't mind it. I think the MLS needs to try and to needs to stop trying to be European football in terms of its fan culture. It needs to own what its fan culture is trying to instead of trying to replicate other people's. That's what I can't get into. The crowd noises seems very forced and very fake. And I think the commentary is as well. And so what I wonder is when Messi brings new eyes, you might get some of the the underrepresented fans that now come in and, and go and make football a little bit less of a corporate game and a little bit more of a, of a grassroots game because they've now got a reason to go and see someone that they want to see. It's not too dissimilar to the reverse of what happened in, is what, what's happened in the UK as people have lost... As, as the working man has lost their reason to get yeah. out, the atmospheres are very, very different. So, what you might see is the complete one hundred and eighty of where British football is going in America, which is where British football is moving away from that atmosphere. American, uh, the MLS might move towards that atmosphere, but that, that's that's for me. And I, I think you know to to not be disparaging. If I flip it on its head, I, if anyone's watched the London games for NFL here, it's very similar. It's a lot of British people trying to act like they think American people act at American football games and just getting it wrong. And I think the MLS is just the, it's just the reverse of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point. Cause I mean, I don't, I haven't been to a MLS game in forever, obviously uh, maybe some of our patrons, especially like Victor, I know belongs to, uh, goes to a bunch I'd love of those thoughts, yeah. My, my only thing too, is, you know, to me, I don't have a problem with that. To me, it's just, to me actually it's trying to be too americanized with with the way it's, it's okay. structured like i i feel i feel the thing that it's lacking the most is the promotion relegation aspect to it mm. i think that's another aspect i think if that happens i think it would introduce a new way of grassroots clubs and so forth and really tap into communities that don't have sports teams you know and i think that's what mm-hmm. would be really cool now obviously that would never happen cuz these owners you know paid so much money they don't want to relinquish that but that's kind of part of the deal you know what what goes on really quick just to end on it it was on Antonella, she she was just doing like a a shampoo commercial with a stylist oh, okay. and and her english but you can just the phraseology she was using obviously i don't know she may have practiced the script but the way she came off sounded pretty pretty good so i was i was pretty impressed nice. all right let's let's finish up with just a couple player rumors that are coming through. Now, the first one I want to talk, we just got this on Twitter and on our WhatsApp group is Vitor Roque, the Brazilian Mm -hmm. 18 year old, you know, signed a five year contract is allegedly for 40 mil, which isn't too bad. It's supposed to be paid in three installments. So thank you Brazilian clubs for being uh, financially friendly to us. Thank you Uh, on a layaway plan. Now, you know, I love a good mixtape. In football, you know, Uh, he's 18 years old. Of course, you can't really get anything above it, but he is 1.72 meters, not the tallest person ever, but he's labeled as a center forward, could be a number nine in the wake, you know, uh, under tutelage of Lewandowski. Your initial thoughts on a forward as kind of the first fichaje that we're looking at for Barcelona.
1: I think it makes sense if you look at the people we should be getting money for, going the other way. I think we've got more, saleable assets saleable assets saleable assets uh, at the top of the pitch then at the bottom so i think that makes sense i think anything that looks like forward thinking i'll be a massive fan of looking at his stats there i know very little about him i'll put my cards on the table but looking at his stats he's got 15 goal involvements in 25 games i'll take that that's decent um but whenever whenever i hear prospect out of brazil i just i no longer think neymar and i just think douglas and players like that. So I will <laughs> I will, I'll will, remain cautious until I find out more, but I know there's people in the WhatsApp group that know a lot more about them than me. So yeah, if it's forward thinking, I mean, his stats are decent, but I, I don't want to get over my skis on a
0: player I know very little about. Well, you know, the thing is, at this point, I would take a chance on Roque over Ferran. So if we're looking at that kind of, you know, to me, I've already seen enough of not I don't, I don't think he's going to get any better. I don't think we're going to get any more goals out of him. And I'd rather just take a chance... On you know, spending this type of money to go with Roque and sell run and go with this and see what happens, you know, and especially, I argue that. you know, that, that's how I kind of look at this at the signing. And also, just for your information, he has almost 500,000 Instagram followers, so you know, he's pretty popular. Uh, I, I'm curious to see, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, you know, how, uh, I'm just curious to see because he's not going to have pressure right away to play which is great and I think he could learn mm. under Lewandowski you know learn the position learn what's actually you know the pressures of the day to day and FC Barcelona player on the day to day aspect of that so again I'm curious to see how that works out obviously we've been he's been in the rumor wheel for a long time I know Carlos yeah. and our and our uh WhatsApp group has been talking about him for a long time now the other player that we have on the radar Announced by Fabrizio Romano today, or yesterday, uh, Mikael Faye to Barcelona, deal signed. All documents are complete between Barca and, I think it was a Croatian team, 2004, born Senegalese. Uh, he is a fullback, so that's obviously a good move, very young. But also, you know, the fact that they paid barely anything for him, I think these are the type of players, Craig, that I get excited for because... He's going to give some depth. He's young. He's talented. He was being touted by other clubs as well, and we were able to get a deal done at the beginning of the, of the transfer window. So once that opens, we're going to sign him, and he's going to be in for the preseason right, right from the word go. Yeah, and, and I guess if you're playing devil's advocate, bringing
1: in, will, I in a, a reasonably, <laughs> a, re, a reasonably, uh, reasonably little-known youth prospect for very little money. My first thought would jump to what what makes them better than people who've got in the academy. Now, that's an open question because I I don't know again. I don't know much about him. I don't know um, how we compare, but I'm hoping that that is, I'm hoping that someone's going to go directly into the first team rather than someone's going to go to Barca B and stuff like that. So I think as long as we're signing youth for the right reasons, then that's good. Um, But we should be promoting where we can. So hopefully he brings something that we don't have either in the first team or the Cantera. Hopefully competition
0: baby right i mean competition which is, which is, brings the best right and again i to me i this is the type of signing i get excited about because it's an effective signing it brings depth it brings competition and it didn't break the bank right we don't yeah. have to do monthly installments here for the 5 mil and so the fact that we were able to get that from the beginning you know that is you know i don't know if this is alamani's doing completely or with deco but it just seems that you know with these two players we're able to get these signings quicker And so hopefully the delay, you know, to avoid any further delays of players that we need to either sell or buy going forward. So the last player I want to talk about, because this is obviously, you know, I live in Madrid and this is (laughs) Madrid media are soaking this up is obviously Mbappe came out today and basically said that he does not want to extend after the following season. So You know, PSG now is in a predicament where they need to, if they want to make the money back off of him, they need to sell him either the summer or the winter. Obviously, they'll probably do in the summer just to get, so they can reinvest that into other players. But what say you now, if Madrid get these back-to-back mega signings? You know, you saw, I don't know if you saw my response in the WhatsApp group, but Mm -hmm. I basically said, you know, Real Madrid is, they're being gifted this because they were financially responsible and we weren't, and they're able to pounce on these two, Outstanding world-class young talents in Bellingham and Mbappe. And if they sign, I mean Bellingham is pretty much a done deal, but if they get Mbappe mm. as well this summer, good God. As Troy as Troy said, he said it's gonna be a long six seasons, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um it's yeah, I mean fair play to them. Fair play to them in the sense that you know they've got a lot of mileage out a lot of players over the last few years. The players that they should have been replacing after three years have gone five and stuff like that. So you know they've put themselves in a position that we haven't, which is the, they've got money to spend and a reputation that isn't in tatters. Yeah. But that being said, that being said, um, Bellingham worries me more than Mbappe or Kanewood. Would I think Madrid have got a terrible history in terms of their big marquee signings generally being a bit rubbish? Whereas the players that come in that make loads of sense but don't make that much noise, Modric, Cruz, Modric, yeah. who, who, are ob- who are obviously great players. And the ones that concern me. So bring Mbappe in. That's fine. Let's watch him and Vinicius fight about who's got the most Instagram followers. I'm all right with that. It's Bellingham. It's Bellingham that concerns me. Um, so well, let, me, let, me ask yeah. you, let
0: me ask you about Bellingham because I had this mm. conversation with my my football buddies this weekend. Would you, if you were Bellingham, and I know this is you know we're playing hypothetical and all this stuff, but would you mm. wait a year at Dortmund and then make the move, or where is it if Madrid's calling, you go, no questions asked?
1: I don't think I don't think it's if Madrid go you go no questions asked. I don't I, I don't think that's the case. I think if Madrid ask now, because I look at the Dortmund scenario and I think what what are you going to get out of it? What more is there for you to do that you haven't done? Like what are you waiting for? So if you look at for example when managers move, um, you know Spurs have just taken Andrew Costa and people are saying oh would you not want another run? I said another run at what? You've just yeah. won a treble. You can't get you can't get better. Like progress is maybe Celtic winning a Champions League game. Celtic will be a whipping boy. I've seen the comment in our WhatsApp group about who Barca might want to get, and everyone will be wanting to draw Celtic. We are not a very good European team, so Ange Postecoglou couldn't do much better than he did. I think if you're Bellingham, you look at it and say, what what have you still got left to prove? So I wouldn't hang around. I would go to Madrid because they're seemingly the team that will that want him the most. Sure. Um, but I don't think I don't think Madrid are the draw. I I wouldn't be surprised if Mbappe doesn't end up at Madrid. I have got a sneaky feeling that Mbappe ends up at Man
0: United. Mm.
1: I I think he's the marquee signing of whatever.
0: Nathan sure, sure, sure. Man United. Especially if the the you know obviously PSG has made it now that it's one fifty for the release clause for him, and so yeah, there could be a bidding war between those players. You know, I kind of I love. I hate, you know, this pressure that these young players get. You know, obviously with Bellingham, he's got so much potential. And to me, I just look at it as one more season at Dortmund just to get some more seasoning. And then I think he'll be really ready for Madrid. But what happens if he comes to Madrid and he just doesn't start, fails to find playing time, then all of a sudden his confidence, you know, then you start to go the other way. That's I just look at the negative. Obviously, he can go positive where he just goes in and we're like, Bellingham is a stud and that's it. But uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I, I nineteen years old. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, he's year, just got 20, three, you know? three years of first
1: team football under his belt though.
0: Yeah.
1: If he was if he was a, if he was twenty two and he played his first game at 18, 19, nineteen, we'd be like, yeah, you're ready to move on, man. Go spread your wings. Yeah, so that's I, true. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't. If I was in his camp, I wouldn't be. Concerned. Bellingham's dad is very astute as well. There's no way he'd be making that move. His dad's
0: well, yeah. by all accounts. Well, I mean. Yeah. I mean we'll we'll see what what pans out in the next coming weeks but uh, we'll see. All right. So we're still on summer schedule so we just had an ep- we just had an episode on Tuesday narrated by Diana Cristina which highlighted the youths of Barca from the season. We will be having another storytelling style episode on Tuesday talking about Xavi's coaching. Craig, I don't know when is this next time we're going to see each other. Maybe in 4 wow. weeks or something. So so we'll, we'll, be, it'll, be,
1: it'll be a while. And because of that, I'd like to, while, while we've been talking there, I've been doing some uh, some Googling in the background. And it turns out I should be very excited about this player that we signed. He wasn't just going to be back up. It turns out he's going to be a wonder kid. So I'd like to go back to my point about signing FI and say, yes, sounds great. Sounds amazing. Before I get lots of people at me telling me that <laughs> this kid is not going to go in Barca B. Clearly, every new source in the UK is gutted that Chelsea never signed him. So I'm a lot more excited than I was 10 minutes ago. So that's good. You mean you mean yeah, you mean
0: Roque? You mean Roke? No,
1: the Mikhail, uh, Mikhail. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Mikhail Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a wonder kid. So every everyone's yeah. a wonder kid, you know. Everyone. I take back kid. everything I said based <laughs> on the top five articles on a Google site. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be a while. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, the preseason is already. Dare I say it, it's already dragging a little bit.
0: Yes, that's why we're taking the summer off. You know, that's why we're rotating like this. so We can recharge our batteries. You know, just when you said the wonder kid, I'll just splice that when you were talking about him. So it just sounds like you knew what you were
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do that. I, look, I, look, I sound a lot better than I was at the
0: time. You'll be like, so wonder kid. <laughs> mm. He looks great. Everyone tell him he's going to be a top telly apparently. I'll take that exactly exactly all right craig well we'll talk soon and obviously if any major news breaks we might have to jump on the mics but we probably mm. won't be on together because the rotation basically is troy remy then you and my myself so probably not till july 4th 5th something like that so anyway awesome. uh we'll talk soon and uh enjoy june take care